You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. So it's so good just to um, be able to worship here this morning. It's almost like entering into an embassy where, you know, outside, there's so many things competing for your attention. And as you come into the presence of God, and not that we can't do those as individuals, but as a collective, there's a manifest presence of God. It almost feels like, like an embassy, you know, we're not governed by the laws outside there, but we here as a collective, we're governed by the laws of the kingdom. And it's just really so nice just to get together um, and just enjoy, you know, the presence of the Father. And so today I'd like to speak on um, what if, um, as I prepared this message, I always have to start with a bit of emotion, um, Luther says, the best messages we preach are the ones we need to hear ourselves. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I entered into, uh, we started praise and worship. And um, as we sometimes do, you know, you come in with a whole lot of thoughts, a whole lot of, you know, concerns about, you know, where things are going. And in, the, in that moment, in, in like a, a moment of worship, right at the beginning, thankfully, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, what if? What if everything that I have said about you, what if every word that I've spoken about you, what if every prophetic word that you have received, what if every scripture that you have read that you felt has resonated in your heart was true? And it was almost like, you know, I was on a journey. Um, I was on a journey as I came in, and it was a very restrictive type journey because, you know, it was, it was feeling cramped. It was feeling like it's not possible and in that moment, the Holy Spirit just comes and he speaks and he says, okay, that's your little journey there, but what if that's not the truth? What if this is the truth? What if this is what it can be? And it's almost like in that moment we are presented with the enormity of the gospel, the goodness of the good news, the goodness of Jesus dying, the goodness of the cross, everything that we talk about a lot, but sometimes we get a little bit dull. It's almost like we've got some nice things on the mantle there, and we know that they're there, but they've got a little bit dusty, and we need, almost need to polish those things up and just go and visit those truths again. And so it's almost been the journey that I've been on for the last couple of weeks. And you know, in Romans 1.16, uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. It's not an empty gospel, it's a powerful gospel, and it has the power to save. And so today I want to just continue on the theme the last couple of weeks. Um, I know Rob and Kirsty have brought a theme of the gospel. And I think this, in essence, it is everything. It is everything. And today I don't want to bring anything more. I don't want to bring anything less. I just want to bring the gospel because it's the gospel that sets us free. It's the gospel that produces fruit that we could never have imagined. And, and so as we, as we grapple with this gospel, you know, to make it a part of who we are to the extent that we with the Holy Spirit can experience this gospel is to the extent that we will start becoming more fruitful. We will become more life. We will become more like, like our father. And that is the greatest honor we can ever give. And that's the greatest worship we can ever give God is to be more like him. And so back to that that Sunday in worship, and it was almost like the Holy Spirit came and He just challenged 
my thinking. I was contemplating a particular scenario. But actually, he has got a totally different scenario in mind for me. In mind for, and it might sound selfish, but sometimes we do think about our little lives. You know, it would be great that we always think about everybody else, but sometimes we just think about ourselves. And so he presented me, he arrested my thinking, and he got me thinking about something else. And you know, the thing is like the, the what-if question can come from two main sources in our lives. There are others, but there are two main sources of this, of personalities that ask us what if and in the parable of the sower the sower and the seed um, for those of you that know this the, the the parable the sower goes out and some of the seed falls on on the on the road and some falls in rocky ground and some falls um, in a place where there are weeds and the weeds come up and some fall on good ground and it produces a harvest and the first three of those examples is 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 the enemy asking what if and the first example where the seed lands on the hard ground that doesn't spring up or produce any real root because um, it's, it's constrained by understanding. Wherever, whoever hears that word doesn't understand the word and so it's constrained by understanding. The second one, it falls in the rocky ground and it is constrained by acceptance. Almost like if I do this, if I go on this path, that the, the, if I go on this path, I'm going to be rejected, I'm not going to be accepted, I'm going to be an outcast. And the third one is constrained by physical circumstances. And in particular, finances. It says the, the cares for worldly wealth. And it's almost like if you do this, if you jump off that cliff, you're going to die. If you do this, your future looks like this. And that's what the enemy will come. And I don't really want to talk too much about what the enemy is doing. I really want to talk more about what the gospel does. Because the, the fourth picture there is the, is the good sower, which is the Holy Spirit sowing the seeds of the gospel and where it lands into the fertile ground of our hearts it produces a rich harvest and it shows us what if the enormity of the gospel if i receive this word this is what my future can be you know and it's limitless it's not constrained those first three first three things are constrained by understanding by acceptance and by circumstances financial circumstances but the but the seed of the holy spirit the seed of the gospel is limitless there's nothing that can restrict it. There's nothing that can hem it in. And it's almost like this journey that the, uh, that the enemy has us on. It initially starts with fear and anxiety, but the end of it is hopeless, hopelessness, despair. Kirsty had a picture last week about these crows just wanting to keep this little eaglet or some hawk thing down. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Is he wants to drag you down so that you don't see the possibilities, the limitless possibilities that the gospel wants to accomplish in our lives. And it's, it's almost like in that moment, as I've heard people say that repentance is, um, and the true definition of repentance is coming to a place where you presented, you were on a journey, and you suddenly you presented with the truth, and you turn around 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And, and in my mind, I, I would see that journey as like a horizontal journey, but actually it's more like a vertical journey because the enemy is wanting to restrict the what if to physical circumstances, to this. And it, it tries to show you how impossible things are so that you get hemmed in and you get squashed in and you get dragged in lower and lower into, the, into despair and into, and into desperation. But with the Holy Spirit, 
he's doing just the opposite. He's actually saying to you, no, no, no. Like David says, you've brought me into a broad and a spacious place. There's so much space for me. It's like the, 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 the things that press me or whatever, those things are not real things because I understand your what if. I understand the, 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 the journey that you have for me. I understand your goodness, um, your goodness towards me. And, and just over the past couple of weeks, in order just to understand the gospel better, I've, I've tried to just have a look at the, at the life of Jesus. And many have said that the life of Jesus is perfect theology because he literally came to show us what could be possible if we followed the what if, if we followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the thing is, Jesus, he was a man. He was fully man. He was God. But he set aside all the privileges that he had as God aside, and he came as a man. So he could walk a road. He had to learn obedience. He had to do a lot of things that you and I have to do. But he came to walk a road to show you and I what if. What if we could hear the Holy Spirit like him? And um, I just want to read a scripture, which I think so... um, There are two scriptures I want to read, and they're pretty lengthy. But... um, it just shows, you know, what if. And so, the first one I want to read is um, is a scripture from Ephesians 1.18. And it says, and it's in the Amplified, so the Amplified does elaborate a lot. Some call it a multiple choice version. <laughs> but it just brings out such a truth. And it says, uh, Ephesians 1.18 And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and the core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His active spiritual power is in us who believe these are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength which he produced in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above every every principality and power what an incredible scripture that this is the inheritance that he is calling us to this is the immeasurable power that he is calling us to that's not a little thing. That's not a limited thing. It's not something that you and I can conjure up. Like even this morning, um, just as we are worshiping, it's not something that we can conjure up. We can't create this peace that's around us. We can't create this atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is breathing on people and bringing to life seeds that have fallen in our hearts. We can't do that. So back to Jesus. You know, he always seemed to have the inside track. That's amazing. Uh, you know, he, he, almost, he always seemed to know in every circumstance, no matter how difficult the circumstance was, he, he just seemed to be able to source this out, suss this out. And not necessarily in himself, um, but he was just so dependent on the Holy Spirit. And it's a bit like, I don't know if, if any of you have been skiing before, um, but they've got these things called ski lifts. Um, so there are two ways that you can enjoy skiing. So, so skiing obviously is a, is a gravity thing. Uh, gravity in this case is your friend. Um, 
and you would go onto a high slope and the steeper, the more expensive your insurance is, and you would really enjoy coming down the slope. But the thing going back, you know, it's, if, it's quite an arduous walk. You know, you've got to go up this slope, and as nice as it was, it was coming down, it's pretty cumbersome and takes a lot of effort going up. And literally you're faced by the slope and all you can see is the slope daunting, almost like imposing itself over you. But they came up with this wonderful thing called a ski lift. And uh, for those of you who don't know, a ski lift is basically almost like a cable car that's suspended about 15 meters, 10 meters above the ground. And literally with no effort, you just go and sit on this ski lift on the seat and you don't have to do anything and you've got a great view and you go up this mountain and when you get to the top of the mountain you can have all this enjoyment all over again and it just seems like jesus used to he managed to find the ski lift you know because he he even says you know he says that come unto me all you that are weary and heavy laden and you that are tired and i will give you rest for my burden is light and my yoke is easy and that's the way that Jesus modeled his life. He never got overwhelmed. He never, he never thought, oh my goodness, I really hope that this thing is real. You know, he never doubted the Father. He never doubted anything. I mean, when we say that, it's almost comical that Jesus would ever get to that place. But he had managed to find the ski lift, you know, that he, he could just, he was never brought down into the circumstances, hemmed in by the circumstances. He always seemed to have a great perspective like somebody on the ski lift would have. They could see, oh, we came from there and we're going here. And not that the Holy Spirit shows us our whole futures, but he says that his word is a lamp unto our feet. And he shows us just as we walk, we've got a lamp. And as we walk, we just see a little bit further, a little bit further ahead. And we never, ever have to get sort of overwhelmed and uh, um, overwhelmed or dis dis desperate or despondent or anything like that. And and the life of Jesus, you know, he did a number of incredible healings. But the thing that really gets me are some of the, some of the more sort of abstract miracles that he did. Like, um, they needed money. Something that we could all identify with. <laughs> and he says to his disciples, go and catch a fish. Now, it wasn't as if every fish that they pulled out of the sea or the dam or the whatever that they went to had a gold coin in it. But the one that they did had a gold coin in it. He needed a place for the Lord's Supper. And he says to his disciples, just go and prepare. And if anybody says it's, you know, who are you just said in the master needs it. The same with a the donkey. They needed a donkey. And out of all the donkeys in Jerusalem, they go to the right one where if they just say to the guy, this is okay, you can have the donkey. I mean, that's not normal, you know. And it's like, you know, the Bible says that, that the father's already gone the ways have already been made for us, you know, and, and he will lead us in those ways. If we will listen, if we will be dependent on him, we will hear the whisper. What if you go and ask that guy for a donkey? What if you go and speak to this guy? Can you imagine what could happen? Let me just give you a little glimpse of what could happen if you did that. And so the Holy Spirit is continually speaking to us, continually saying, what if? You know, the enemy is also trying to say what if, but here's what if tries to put shackles on you. God's, the Holy Spirit's what-ifs are like, can you imagine? And, and then Jesus, you know, Jesus in, in modeling this ski lift experience that he has, he says, I only do 
what the Father shows me. Whatever He shows me, that is the only thing that I do. And in another place where he's sitting with the lady, the Samaritan lady, he says, when the disciples come back and say, aren't you hungry? And he says, I have food that you don't even know of. Because my food is to do the will of the Father. And he only does, thank you. I've got two now, thank you. So, so back to the life of Jesus. So, there is a theological dilemma that I've had with Jesus for quite a long time um, that I'm happy to communicate in this open forum. Um, one time he was busy addressing the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he says, no one has seen the Father. Now in my mind I know that Moses saw the back of God the Father. So is Jesus lying or, or what is the story here? And Jesus goes on to say, but if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. And if you look at the Greek word there for see, it can mean two things. It can mean see with your physical eye, or it can mean to experience and to see in your heart. And I'd like to propose to you that what Jesus was saying is he's saying, I came, I'm God's fullest expression of love. I've come so that you could see and experience the love of the Father. It's not so much about seeing, because that's the enemy's tactic. The enemy tries to draw us into a physical world that has its limitations. But the Father wants to bring us into a world where there are no limitations, there's no time boundaries. And getting back to Moses, you know, he might have seen a part of the Father, but he's omniscient, he's omnipotent. So he knows everything, and he is everywhere. So how can we restrict him to a place and a form you know it's a, it's a part of it but really if we've seen jesus if we've experienced jesus we have seen the father because what jesus has brought is the true heart of the father and that is and the bible also says that god is love that's a definition of what god is and so for me that is a better definition of who god is or a better is the experiencing and seeing Him in our heart, experiencing the impact of His love upon our lives. That is the true gospel. That is the true definition of who, who God is. And so I'd like to just turn to Galatians 5. Verse 16 for my last scripture. And it's also, again, a, quite a, a lengthy scripture. But I just think it explains the whole partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit walking as Jesus did and really being able to see the Father and His heart. And it's, it's uh, Galatians 5 verse 16 from the Passion. And it says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation of the life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. What a wonderful picture of how 
we experience the Holy Spirit, we experience the truth of the gospel, we experience the true freedom that he has brought, and now we are, now we are soaring. And so back to the challenge that I experienced that moment when I heard the what if. It caused me to change my thinking. Because in that moment I was presented with the fullness of the gospel. And as I said previously, is, uh, in Romans it says, it is the power of God to salvation. And all of a sudden, you know, sometimes when we read that scripture we say salvation was a moment in time when I... Um, decided to follow Jesus and I became a new creation and that was that. But actually it's a continual salvation. It's a continual transformation. It's a continual journey that we are all on. And, and so the thing is like every single one of us that have become new creations, we were faced with the Holy Spirit coming and saying to us, what if your life doesn't have to be like this? If we have to think back on the time before Christ, our BC day, and we think about what life was like now and the journey that the Holy Spirit has walked with us and where we are now. I mean, I don't know about you, but He's made significant changes in my life. And so it's not just, when it talks about the power of God unto salvation, it's not just about the salvation moment, the salvation moment, but actually it's a transition that we, in the everyday, when I speak to my wife, you know, He says to me, what if? What if you said this? What if you didn't say this? Or with your children, you know? There's a continual, the Holy Spirit is continually, that's the power of the gospel, is we have that intimate relationship with Him, that He can come and He can bring what ifs. What if you didn't do that? What if you went to go and speak to that person in the, in the, in the coffee shop? What if you just went and told that person that Jesus loved Him? You know, there are so many possibilities because the kingdom and the gospel is limitless. There is so much power available to us we just listen to his what ifs. So the word gospel in the New Testament is not a commonly used word. During the Greek times over there, they didn't use this word good news that often because it literally the literal definition of that word is nearly too good to be true. And so the news was so amazing and so awesome that they couldn't really equate it to anything that they could see around. And as a result, this word wasn't really used a lot. In Acts 20, uh, 20 24 and Galatians 1, 6, we see the writers use the word gospel and the grace of God interchangeably. And it's almost as if the grace and the good news, the grace of God, His goodness towards us is so good that we can almost not understand this. It's almost impossible to believe because it's not physically possible that we could, in, we could get something so good without doing anything for it, without never having to earn it, without never having to say, well, you know, at least I've done this. You know, I'm better than this guy. No, actually, we're all on the same level because we're all recipients of his absolute good news. Also in the, in the, in the, in the New Testament, often the word gospel is used interchangeably with the word power because Sometimes we can get to the place where we say, yes, it's got the power to transform and we think again to the new creation moment. But actually it's got the power to transform us every single day. It's got the power to transform us. You know, he doesn't just, it's not just the Roman scripture, but he says the kingdom of God is not just in word. The kingdom of God is in power. 
Paul also says, when I came to you, I didn't just come to you with wise words, but I came to you in the demonstration of power. Sometimes we see that power manifest in physical miracles, but a lot, most of the time we see the manifestation of gospel power in personal transformation, in how you and I start treating each other differently, about how you and I relate to the Holy Spirit and how we can become so much more intimate, how we can become transformed because we just receive the good news, the good words that He speaks over our lives. And so to end off, you know, by understanding the gospel to the extent that we, and it's not, a, it's not a performance thing, it's not just all up to us, it's about us partnering with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I grew up sort of very independent, and this is one of my, my biggest challenges, is not being, not being as independent as, as being dependent on the Holy Spirit. You know, I always, you know, some say it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. And, <laughs> and that's, that's me, you know, it's like, I, I've got an idea and off we go. Oops, sorry, um, Lord, would, um, you know, and then we have to reverse engineer this thing. And so every single one of us have got areas where, where, we've, where we have really been transformed, where we have seen great fruit, where we have seen wonderful transformation. We've seen the kingdom come and there's some areas where we haven't. And the challenge for us with the Holy Spirit is just to listen to his what ifs. What if you didn't always do it like this? What if you just did it a little bit differently? Because then true transformation can start taking place and we will start producing fruit that we never dreamed of. Um, and that's the life of the ski lift, you know. That's, it's so much easier. Like somebody has said that as you get on this, as you understand the gospel, um, as you get on the ski lift, you accidentally live holier than you ever could have on purpose. And it's the same for, you, for, for us, you know. As I get on the ski lift, as I allow the Holy Spirit to prompt me and to, you know, just make things sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe don't do it like, but you're used to doing it like this, but do it like this. I mean, why, why didn't Jesus always heal the same way? Why did he have to go and make little mud balls and put them into somebody's eyes? Why? Because as soon as we, we like to default to a recipe, we like to, well, it's always like this. Because if it's always like this, we don't really need to listen to him. We don't need to be intimate with him. We don't need to, okay, what are you saying now? And that's really what, what the, the gospel is all about, is to transform us as we partner with him to bring the kingdom so that we become more like him and we have access to limitless power. Uh, to end off, there's a guy, um, last, uh, not last night, on a Friday night, I'm busy going through my phone, uh, I've pretty much prepared what I wanted to pray, and I'm just cleaning out because my phone is running out of space and I have to clean out some videos and whatever, and I come across this video, it's a little clip that somebody sent to me, and and I, honestly, I don't know where it came from. I, I went through all my collective chat groups and all my friends and whatever, and I don't know who sent me this, this video. And this video is, about, uh, is, a guy, is, is a story about a guy called Polycarp. Now, Polycarp sounds like something that you will encounter in geometry, but um, he's an actual real person in the early church. And uh, in the early church, the emperor wanted to wipe out Christianity, and his strategy was to target the leaders of the day. And John had already died, a lot of the disciples had already died. But this man, Polycarp, was so upright. He was such, such a lover of Jesus, you know. He was just so full of God. He was, and, and this is all documented in church history. And, um, and the one night, he has a dream, and he has a dream that his pillow is on fire, and he knows immediately what that means. He knows that the emperor is going to be sending his soldiers to come and burn him at the stake. 
The next day, the soldiers arrive, and he had prepared for them a meal, a feast of absolute note. And he says to the soldiers, I know why you're here. I know that you are coming to take me away to burn me at the stake. But I have prepared a feast for you, and I want to ask you one favor. Can I spend one hour with my Jesus? And the soldiers are blown away because here they are to come and take a man's life. And he's prepared a banquet for them. And he says, can I just spend an hour with my Jesus? And they say, absolutely. And the hour became two hours and finally they had to go. And the, the soldiers reluctantly, because he had shown them such kindness, and he prepared this feast and he knew that they were going to be there before they were even there. And the story goes on that they, they tied him to the stake and they, they set this fire and there was this orb protecting him that the flames went up around him but didn't touch him, much like a Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And um, he wasn't scorched, he wasn't anything. And the emperor was watching this and the emperor gave instruction for one of the soldiers to run him through with a spear. And as they ran him through with a spear, a dove left came out of the wound and flew off. And the story goes on to say that so much blood came out of him, it quenched the fire. Now, you know, we would think about this in, we can think about this in, in uh, physical terms, you know. That's impossible. That could never have happened. But what if, what if God can pour out his love and his power to such an extent that you could see physical laws changed? And we, we, we see this with healings. But there, but there is, what I'm saying is there is so much out there if we will delve into the depths of the gospel, if we will delve into the depths of what Jesus has won for us on the cross. There, there, there are limitless what-ifs available for us. You know, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is an upside kingdom. It doesn't work on the normal principles that we get used to, that the enemy wants to get used to us. He wants us to get used to. There are certain laws and some limitations, and if you don't have this, and you don't get this, and you have to work, and you have to earn. But the kingdom is not like that. The kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. You know, for us to live, we have to die. For us, for us to get, we have to give. And it's not the reason why we give, but it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's so many examples in the Bible where if you want to be the leader, you need to be the servant. This is totally... As a total antithesis of everything that we experience around us. God's kingdom is different. You go up by humbling yourself. You go up by almost relinquishing the control that we have over here and getting on this ski lift with the Holy Spirit. And then he can take us to the places that he's always wanted us to go. So that in essence is what I wanted to share. Just the gospel. Uh, the gospel is the very thing that transforms it for us. And you know, if you haven't ever come to that place, that, that place where the gospel has been shared in your heart and the Holy Spirit has shown you something of your future, then you know, I really want to encourage you to come and speak to us. But for those of us that have been on this journey, it's not a once-off. It's a continual. It's a continual, the Holy Spirit, what if you did this? And He leads us more and more into the goodness of God. Father, we thank, you for, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that it's opened up so many possibilities for us, Lord. And Lord, I want to pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice. And we wouldn't just hear it, but Father, we would act on it, Lord, because your voice always leads us to green pastures, always leads us to banqueting tables. Your voice always opens up new things, Lord. And it's not just about us, Father, but 
that sets other people free, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just brood over us. That, Lord, that this word, Lord, your gospel, Father God, would produce fruit in our lives, 30, 60, and 100 fold, Lord. That, Lord, we wouldn't isolate certain areas, Father, but, Lord, that we would come in humility and just open everything up. That, Lord, that you would open our eyes, Lord, the eyes of our understanding, Lord God, as it says in that Ephesians scripture, Lord, that we would be able to comprehend everything, or that the full inheritance, the power, Lord God, the glorious inheritance in the saints, Lord God, that you would open our eyes, Lord, the heart understanding, Lord, that, Lord, that you would detach us from the things that we can see, Lord. You would detach us, Father God, from the, from the, from the constraints, Lord God, of acceptance and the constraints, Lord God, of physical laws, Lord God. That, Lord, that you would birth things new in us, Lord. It would be like bombs going off inside of us now, Lord. That, Father, we can contemplate a future where you are everything that you say you are. Where we can contemplate a future, Lord God, where every word that you have spoken over us, is true, Lord God, where we can contemplate, Lord God, the power of the gospel, that the gospel is for us, Lord God. It's for us as individuals and as a group, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would set our minds free, Lord God. That, Lord, that there would nothing, there would be nothing, Lord God, no restrictive thinking, no, that there would be paradigm shifts, Lord God. Kingdom paradigm shifts, Lord God. That would just open up our minds, Lord, that we could start seeing the kingdom in every area, Lord. Not just on a Sunday morning, Father God but in every area, in our marriages, in our relationship with our children, Lord God, in people at work, Lord, in strangers, Lord God, in healings and in miracles, Lord God, in all of those things, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you arrest us? Would you arrest us, Lord God, that we can turn, Lord God, on the direction that we might have been going, Lord God, and into a new direction, Father, the glorious future, the freedom that you have brought us into, Lord. We thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so good. We thank you, Jesus, for all the good that you have made for us, Lord, the way that you have made, that the veil has been torn in two, and we are yours and you are ours. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za.